0: Good morning, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you, filling out the year for George Brockler News Talk 710 KNUS, final hour to go. Thanks for being along for the ride today and throughout the year here on 710 KNUS. We appreciate your loyal listenership. You're what makes this station work. Appreciate it so much, and I hope you'll tune in as well tomorrow tomorrow. For the Jimmy Sangenberger show from 6 until 9, we will get to my program and what we have in store tomorrow here in just a bit. But I want to get to some texts. We've had a bunch of texts that have been coming in throughout the program, particularly regarding the Lauren Boebert story. Now, what's curious to me is about this how passionate people are about one way or the other, whether you are really excited and enthused about Bobert making the switch from the 3rd Congressional District, where she will still represent to fill out her term, to run for the 4th Congressional District, because it is far more politically advantageous for her to make that switch. And Not only that, it helps to ensure that Republicans will maintain the 3rd CD. Now, this is really interesting when you see the feedback and the the opinions on either side. And and you have to keep something in mind. Well, you may hear a lot of folks say, I don't like this idea. I don't want her. She's coming into a district she shouldn't represent. She's a carpetbagger. She's this and that. Whatever argument you want to throw against Boebert for those who are opposed to her moving in here, remember this. In a race that has, I don't know, like five or six different people now, maybe more, you only need a plurality. You only need more than everybody else. You do not need 51%. So if Bobert has 20% support and the field remains the way that it is, it's very likely that she'll just secure the nomination and then pretty easily cruise on into a general election victory. Not guaranteed, but almost guaranteed in the sense that this is the most solidly Republican district in the state. And so if she has a crowded field, it helps to pave the way more toward a victory, unless some candidates start dropping out. And, of course, that's difficult to see. It's difficult for candidates to say, you know what, I'm going to give up my run because we need to defeat Lauren Boebert. Is that really going to be the driving force for anybody to get out? Oh, I want somebody else to beat Boebert? Hard to see that. Our telephone number, of course, 303-696-1971. Bredman Littleton The Boebert issue illustrates the problem with government. It's a clown show at all levels administered by bureaucrats to steal our treasure and blood, not what the founders intended. Another text. Wouldn't it be nice if Republicans spent more time attacking Democrats than other Republicans? That came at a time where we were coming from the break uh, into a break after I talked about this I mean, this absolutely asinine email. I mean, that that's what it is. It is a dumb email from Rhino Watch Colorado, which is the arbiter of who is or is not a true Republican. You might end up on their rhino wall of shame. I wonder if Lauren Bolbert could end up there because supposedly she's empowering the enemy a.k.a. the Uniparty Rhinos. They put out an email this morning. "Bobert surrenders CD3 to the enemy is the headline of the email, the subject. And the text says, Representative Lauren Boebert disappoints with the announcement that she will abandon her CD3 constituents and seek the GOP nomination in CD4. It's a self-serving bid to hold on to political power. Bobert has her issues, but at least she's an America First candidate. And here's the stupidity kicker. Her move guarantees CD3 will now go to a Democrat or a unit party Republican in name only. Keep in mind, folks, if a Republican loses CD3 whether that is Lauren Boebert or it's Jeff Hurd or whomever, if the Democrat wins, not the Republican, the Democrat wins, that's one fewer seat to keep Mike Johnson as Speaker and Jim Jordan as Judiciary Committee Chairman. It is ludicrous. It is stupid to be saying that Lauren Boebert is helping the enemy because now you might have a Republican that you're not a big fan of in that position. It makes no sense. Maybe somebody disagrees with me and agrees with Rhino Watch Colorado. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Good point here now that I think about it. Laurie and Greeley, thank you for the text because this puts into perspective you don't just need 21%. That's when you actually get to the primary. In the assembly, it's a little different. Candidates need 30% at assembly. With a large number of candidates, I think they should be thinking about the petition route, too. That's a good point. Will Lauren Boebert be able to secure what she needs at the CD4 assembly? That is a big question here. And a good point to put that into perspective, you got to get on the ballot first. got to get 30% at the assembly. And then if you go the assembly route, that works out great. Then you can go into uh, the ballot, and then you just need a plurality of the votes. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Jack in Evergreen. Good morning, Jack. You're on with Jimmy in for George.
1: Yeah, I'm not out of Colorado yet. But anyway, I... Agree with what she's doing 100%. And I understand why some people's feathers are ruffled by it. Sure. But they're not looking at it strategically. And uh, Deborah Flora, I just adore. I think she's wonderful. But here's the, here's the key point, It's most important thing. Bovert has proven herself to be an in-your-face fighter. We don't need any more move-along, get-along, Dick Wadhams type Republicans. Those people have destroyed us. They should be tarred and feathered. The fact that Lauren Bovert has shown herself to be a fighter now, when you get in this position, it's not a local position. It's a position that has national implications. There's never been a time when we need the House of Representatives to have more backbone than we need right now. We're guaranteed that with Bobert. We don't know with the rest of them. Now, they keep talking mm-hmm. about they want somebody that's a citizen of the eastern plains. Well, how about Mark Hillman? I mean, he was, uh, uh, he was in government office, and he's as conservative as they get, and he's a third-generation farmer from Burlington, Colorado. I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of answers to all these questions. But it, it, the seat that she's vacating on the Western Slope will be filled by a, a Republican more than likely. And we're guaranteed we're not going to have a – if she gets in in the fourth, we're guaranteed we're not going to have a wishy-washy uh, rhino Republican. So we're going to have a fighter.
0: Do you – worry at all because this is one of the claims for uh, those who oppose bobert generally speaking whether it's in cd3 or or cd4 they say she is a lightning rod herself it's not that she's a fighter it's that she sucks up all this attention that's about her and her personal behavior and so on and so forth does that do you dismiss that is that something you find to be a non sequitur
1: My primary point, and I know I'm repeating myself, but we don't need any more laid-down Republicans. We need fighters, period.
0: Right. But is there a difference between being a fighter and being somebody who gets attention because of your own antics? Because that's what opponents of Boebert would say.
1: I don't – that's a non sequitur to answer your question directly,
0: yes. Okay. Jack. The fighting is what's important. All right. Well, we shall see what happens. A little bit of support there for Bobert's okay. move. Thank you for the call, and Happy New Year. Let's go next to Jenny in it looks like Everett, Washington. Is that right, or have you moved to Colorado and your yes. <laughs> your city said something else? There you go. I had a feeling. Where are you from, Jenny? I'm
2: a defector. I'm Highland Ranch.
0: All right. Wonderful. So you're in CD4. <laughs> what do you make of it?
2: So I am I thought I kind of giggled when Lauren Bobert made the announcement because I'm a huge Deborah Flora fan. She's the one she's the one to represent us, and I think Bobert will take votes away from Ted Harvey, and I am so happy about that. um talk about wanting power. he's the guy that just wants power. Deborah Flora wants to represent us
0: so let me ask you this question though because until now. Deborah Flora was the only woman in the primary. That means she had that sort of appeal of being a mother and being somebody very attuned to education for that reason, so on and so forth. She had that lane. That lane is gone. Does this not take away votes from those who might have been looking at her as like she can win as a suburban mom. Not Republicans don't Absolutely look and say not. we want a woman. Republicans look and might say she can be an appealing person in this like a Deborah Flora in this race for that reason as a suburban yeah, mom. No one go ahead. Yeah.
2: No one holds a candle for me for to Deborah Flora. Um and I don't think it matters to me as a voter if you're a man or a woman or if another woman's in the game. Um because Deborah Flora uh, represents me as a conservative and as someone who will fight for education which we really really need now.
0: Hey Jenny, I appreciate the call and the passion. Thank you. Happy yes, New sir. Year. Yep, happy New Year. 303-696-1971 text coming in. Go Lauren. Get another good Republican to run for district Three, on the other hand, you have Joe N. Golden just now texting in saying Lauren is a loudmouth, boisterous moron, an embarrassment to Colorado. People have passion one way or the other you love her or you hate her, there's not really much of a middle ground when it comes to Lauren Boebert. At least that's what it seems to be like. And the question is, how does that help or hurt her in a primary? Let's go to Frank up next. Frank, you're on with Jimmy and for George. Good morning.
3: You know, I, uh, Jimmy, thank you for what you do. I agree with uh, Jack. I think Lauren has got a, uh, a voice that's established. I think she's uh, states her case well. Uh, I was listening to her with George. She espouses her positions. I think Republicans have got to give up this uh, whiny kind of attitude and go for strategy and tactics more if we're ever going to grow the house because we're just barely hanging on now. I think she's an established commodity. I can I don't uh, I overlook some of the things that she, uh, has done. But I think her heart's in the right place, and I support her. I think the other candidates in CD4 are good candidates. I, too, love Deborah, But Lauren really uh, gets out there and put, puts her point out there, the way she stood up to the guy that wanted to say, I want to take all your guns. And she goes, heck, no, you're not. You know, she's she. there's no misunderstanding about where she comes from. And so this is a tactical move that I, I think is a wise move. Uh, I don't know if she'll win it or not, but I think she obviously has her credentials from the country, the farm area, and she seems to have represented her area well. But if you're an army and you got this overwhelming force that you're facing and you may be annihilated, it's far better to retreat and fight another day. And I think that's all she's doing against all this dark money that's coming from the Aspen area. And you're right. The other the other candidate may well win. That if she leaves, uh, may well win on his own right, being a conservative. If that's what that CD3 truly is.
0: You know, one thing that I think some folks are wondering who are supporters, like the last caller, of current candidates who've already been announced and in this race who are from the 4th Congressional District is the question of why is this necessary? We have other solid conservatives who are running. You have the likes of Deborah Flora, for example, running in this primary. We don't need a Lauren Boebert in this winnable district. We can go from on the inside. What do you make of that argument?
3: I think uh, uh, Deborah is obviously a strong candidate who also espouses uh, her position well, but in a softer uh, manner. The question is, as far as the Republicans as a body, who will be more effective? Who will go out there and state a position in an emphatic way? And we need a few of those. And uh, Lauren may be a uh, spark plug. Some people would call her a lightning rod, but she's not in the sense of a uh, the Lady Green from, uh, where is it, Atlanta? Uh, she's more common sense, and she her passion and um, sincerity comes across, I think. Uh, and, and Republicans definitely need to quit fighting among themselves and get some together on some tactics and strategy here to not so, only maintain the House, but yeah. grow the House.
0: Well, Frank, you're, you're right in terms of Republicans needing to get it together and work together and so forth. But here's the thing. This is the primary, so you are determining which Republican should represent you, and there ain't going to be much cooperation in that regard for the time being because these candidates, however many end up in the race, all want the same thing, which is to be the one and only representative for the 4th Congressional District. Makes things a little bit more challenging as far as a unity discussion for the time being, does it not?
3: The only other one in that CD4 race that pre had pre-announced that I see anywhere close to the passion of Boebert about this country is uh, Depp. And the other guys, they're, while good guys, uh, smart guys, I just don't see their passion. I'm afraid they're kind of a typical Republican. Go along to get along, uh, speak your piece, but not be willing to get out there and fight and put yourself out there by golly we need
0: that it'll be fascinating hey frank thanks for the call and happy new year our telephone number 303-696-1971 three mayors walk into a zoom press conference sounds like the start of a joke but when you hear this part it uh, it isn't so much of a joke three sanctuary city mayors walk into a zoom press conference about illegal immigration uh, that literally happened yesterday as Denver's mayor as well as the mayors of Chicago and New York City got together for a press conference on that exact topic We're going to talk about that on the other side and hear a little bit of sound of what they were saying. But first, as we go to a break, tomorrow on the Jimmy Sangenberger show, I have a very special opening for the program when I will be joined in studio by Biff Gore, the ambassador of Soul. He was on season six of The Voice. He's tremendous. You might have seen him at uh, political events, might have heard him on my programs before. An absolute blast. Of course, I play harmonica. So He came in the other day, we recorded the beginning of the show, and it was a blast for conversation and musical jams, and I want to give you a taste of what's coming up beginning at 6 a.m. tomorrow on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Let's go to a break with a little tune here. This is Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, Biff Gore joining me on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show tomorrow morning. Take a listen, and we'll be back. Jimmy and for George News Talk seven ten KNUS.
4: Like a fool, I went stay too long. Now I'm wondering if your love's still strong. Ooh, baby, here I am, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Then that time I went and said goodbye Now I'm back and not ashamed to cry Ooh, baby Here I am Sassy, delivered I'm yours Here I am, baby Whoa, oh, sassy, delivered I'm yours Here I am, baby Oh, science is a living, I'm yours I've done a lot of foolish things That I really didn't mean Oh, ooh. Seen a lot of things in this old world When I touched them, they did nothing, girl Boo, baby here I am, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Ooh, hey, baby, set my soul on fire. That's how I know that you're my one and only desire. Ooh, baby, here I am, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Oh, here I am, baby. Oh, oh Science and Delivered, I'm yours. Here I am, baby. Oh, oh science you delivered, I'm yours. I've done a lot of foolish things that I really didn't mean.
0: 28 minutes before 10 o'clock, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. It is the final hour of The George Show for 2023, but we still got some live and local weekend talk coming up. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show is tomorrow, as it is every Saturday from 6 to 9. News Talk 710 KNUS, and then he got Peter Boyles, and it continues. So be sure to tune in throughout the weekend, 710 KNUS, to close out the new year. Randy Corcoran, Saturday night, Matt Dunn with Backbone Radio on Sunday night. You know, it almost sounds like a joke. Three sanctuary city mayors walk into A Zoom press conference on illegal immigration. (laughs) It sounds like the beginnings of a joke, doesn't it? Because we're talking about sanctuary cities and you had yesterday three mayors. The mayor of Denver, of course, Mike Johnston, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, and the mayor of Chicago. Brandon Johnson, Adams, Johnson, and Johnston all getting together. And they were crying foul, this immigration issue has to be handled. And I'm sitting there reading these stories and seeing what they were saying and going, okay, I get that you're upset about Texas bringing all these illegal immigrants, these migrants up from the southern border into your cities. I'm not happy about that at all especially as an advocate for securing our southern border and somebody who's concerned about issues like fentanyl and other concerns of what's happening from those coming across the border and things coming across the border. But here we have mayors from cities that are sanctuary cities now complain. It's the irony of it all, and yet they do not seem to recognize the irony. Here is a little bit from National NBC News about these three mayors. Earlier this week, hundreds of asylum seekers were flown to the northeast, forced to stop in
5: Philadelphia due to bad weather. On Wednesday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken visiting Mexico, meeting with the president there to discuss the historic levels of migration. A source familiar with the talk says the U.S. is hoping to find ways to convince Mexico to do more, to ramp up immigration enforcement on its side of the border, and discuss incentives to encourage people to stay in Mexico rather than cross into the
0: U.S. Huh. There you go. Well, Okay. So it gets even more. So they had a lot. It was like 40 minutes almost of this press conference. And then uh, the mayor of Denver, Mike Johnston, gets a little extra attention over on uh, with ABC News and he talks about the plight of Denver specifically, and there are a couple of interesting tidbits. One, he talks about how Denver is ground zero. Yeah, right now
6: uh, Denver is ground zero because we are the single largest recipient of migrants per capita of any city in America. Actually, more than twice as many migrants are coming to Denver as any other city, and that is, I think, uh, a reason why the system currently isn't working. That's simply because we're the first big city north of El Paso. And so you put folks on a bus from El Paso, they go straight north on I-25, they end up in Denver. The good news is we know this is a solvable problem. We know how to solve the problem, but we know that what's currently happening is not working. The images you saw, what happens currently is about 10,000 people or so are contacted a day, they're apprehended. They're then released into the country, many of them on asylum claims, but when they arrive to Denver, it might take three or four years till that asylum case can get heard. And in the meantime, they don't have the ability to work. They don't have federal resources. We don't have a plan for coordinated entry of these asylum seekers across the country. And that's really what we want the federal government to do, because we know there is a way to solve this. We did it with asylees from Afghanistan. We did it with asylees from Ukraine. Uh, the country can respond in a coordinated way. And we want to see America rise to this moment and do that here. I, as well.
0: I, I just don't know. Here he's comparing to Ukraine as an example, a few different countries. Those are much more narrow, smaller numbers of people. You're not talking about them coming in through the southern border. They're able to get across. I mean, they they were flown, that sort of thing in these particular cases that he's citing in much smaller numbers. This is much bigger and much more dramatic. And he really is emphasizing the point of work authorizations.
6: I mean, the top priority, really, DeMarco, is work authorization. What I find every day I talk to migrants in the city, they'll say, I only want one thing, Mr. Mayor. I just want a job. I'll also get calls every day from employers who say, we have open jobs, we'd love to hire those people, can we please hire them? Right now, we have folks who want to work and employers who want to hire them in a federal government standing in the way that says that they can. If we can get those folks expedited work authorization, they can support themselves, which is what they want to do most. Um, and also, once we have that work authorization, then it's much easier for us to partner with other cities and states to say, okay, uh, can Toledo take 500 people? Can Colorado Springs take 200? Can Cheyenne take 100? With folks arrive with the capacity to work, then we can coordinate their entry and coordinate their support. So again, that's what we've done with other refugees. And it's been very. So
0: here's a question. Does Johnston make a reasonable case for providing work authorizations? And, And here's why this is not something to just brush off. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I think that there is a point and I don't, but there is a point to be raised here. And that is, The asylum system and the general immigration system is not going to process these people for a long time. They come into the country across the southern border, they get into whatever state, city they're going to. If they get caught, that's a big if, but if they get caught or if they turn themselves in because they want to seek asylum, they will be released. Johnston said this they will be released back out into society pending a hearing pending a process and that could take months even years meanwhile they're here what are they supposed to do they can't legally work they can't legally drive they can't legally do so many of these different things and yet they're here they they can't make money then legally to live their lives, so they're living out on the streets. They're doing the um, the route of taking hotel rooms or what have you. So you have all these people who are depending upon we, the taxpayers, for support, and they can't work for themselves. He's making a point, and I do think that it is a compelling argument. We need them to be able to take care of themselves. That's why we need work authorization. But then, of course, you have to say, well, we have all of these illegal immigrants who have been here for years who don't have work authorizations, who have been denied the legal opportunity to work. And now you're saying let's give work authorizations to this influx of people who just came across the border. At this point, you get into a discussion of, oh, well, let's essentially do amnesty. Perhaps because you have people who've been here for a long time. What are you going to do about it? Is this a compelling argument sufficient to say, yeah, we actually do need to put in work authorization? Or is that going to worsen the crisis by passing along even more rumors of job opportunities? Only this time it's more correct than false. Because they're being sold a bill of goods. I've talked with 6th Congressional District uh, candidate, John Fabricatori, of course, former uh, ICE office director. And he has said, look, you have all of these people who are coming here saying, I'm expecting a job. I'm expecting health care. And I'm expecting housing. That's without it necessarily being true. Now will it get even worse if you actually make it true? You are starting to provide them with housing, with shelter. You start to provide them with a legal way to get jobs. This is only going to get worse. You need to lock down the southern border if you're going to entertain anything of this sort. Alexa texting in, our laws and processes are so broken from an HR perspective We have had to do E-Verify for decades. Now they just want to throw that away? Yeah, I think so. And a big reason, though, and this is the compelling point from Johnston's perspective, is, look, we can't do this without federal support. We don't have the resources. We need more of them. And therefore, it would be easier if we didn't have to provide for all of these migrants as much as we are. We want to avoid having
6: to make those hard tradeoffs and we want the federal government to take action. If they don't, we'll be looking at a $160 million impact. That's 10% of our entire budget. So if you imagine cutting all of your city agencies by 10%, that would be historic cuts, larger than we've seen even in the recession times of the 2009 and 2010 cycle.
0: That's a lot of money that they are anticipating on. It's a money saver for taxpayers. Is it worth it to provide work authorization? 303-696-1971. Let's round out the segment with a couple of calls. First, let's go to Jim. Good morning, Jim. You're on with Jimmy in for George. Good good morning, Jimmy.
5: Um, Listen, That's that's just a non sequitur. The fact of the matter is, is if you go to any of the work sites, construction sites, probably half of the workforce is illegal. It's not a problem. Um, They're just wanting them. You know what that would be doing? That was competing with these large corporations like um, Starbucks, McDonald's and stuff like that. That would give them an entry for those jo- type of jobs. If they really want a job, they can get a job anytime they want to. The fact of the matter is that's not a problem. The The problem is, is all these people are going on to the our uh, medical system and that is the state. We're paying for that. And at a certain point, um, there won't be enough uh, providers to handle all these illegals and then pay for the people, the citizens. That's gonna be the problem down the road.
0: Yeah, you're raising an important issue. Already we have illegal immigrants who are getting jobs. Here's the thing, though. We have a much greater influx. There are far many more that are here. Are there really enough jobs for all of those folks, whether legal or illegal? No, Legally there's, there's, or there's, illegally, there's, I mean.
5: Listen, you've got, you got legal citizens, and I know this for a fact, that are having to work two and three jobs of these jobs, like working at Starbucks, McDonald's, and stuff like that, just to live. And now you're bringing these people in, and they're going to compete, and they're going to drive prices down further, which means the citizen is going to be really pressed. We all know that when these people come in and we get an influx of them, the wages go down. The time they go up, if you recall, there's one Trump put a stop to it. All of a sudden, all these low-earning people, their wages went up. Do you not see a correlation?
0: Yeah, one of the things, Jim, that I think uh, we – are seeing a lot more discussion of, though, is about the raising minimum wage and the challenges for employers in that regard. Okay, but that's because Americans want more pay for their jobs. I don't know that you're seeing depressed wages. You're seeing increased... Um, in that Not necessarily to keep up for, with inflation, but you are seeing that there with these cities that have growing minimum wages, you are seeing people taking those jobs. I don't know how much you necessarily have seen the depression and uh, wages due to illegal immigrants taking jobs, especially when we're talking about a lot of jobs that they're not being hired for. You're not seeing illegals being hired for jobs at uh, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. That's correct.
5: I just said that. That's yeah. correct. They're not being hired if we get worth our authorization, okay? They're going okay. to go for those jobs, yeah. And then they're going to take. They're going to instead of those wages, those wages going up to what market value is, they'll stay at
0: minimum wage. Possibly, possibly, but okay. is that is that necessarily a bad thing for employers to have more uh, opportunity to to lower their costs, though?
5: The uh, am fact of the matter is, I think Starbucks needs to pay what the market allows. Walmart needs to pay with the market. Well, I I, I I think Starbucks.
0: Starbucks pays a good bit for their starting wage, so I think that Starbucks maybe should be set aside in the discussion in that regard, Jim. But uh, you know, I mean, the market's going to work as it's going to work. Are you mad about the market? Are you are you are you looking at it and saying, oh, these companies are just being corrupt, they're being boneheaded and they're not doing right by Americans. And therefore, we should actually have disdain for them if the opportunity presents itself for cheaper labor.
5: OK, well, let's 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 go to it. OK, the reason why most things are being produced in China is because they pay the, their, the employees minimum a very minimal mm-hmm. amount of money. Yeah, and they can't. Do you want that
0: here? In this regard of having lower wages? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I mean, you know, I want the market to work as it's going to work. I don't want the illegal immigrants to get these job opportunities. I don't want work authorization for them. Uh, I think that it provides more incentive for people to come across the border. But I'm just saying that, look, I mean, if this opportunity does become available to employers, you can't fault them. For saying, okay, I'm going to go hire the 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 work auth but but here's what they do: if they get work authorization, then they have to pay them whatever the minimum wage is. They still have to Correct. do that.
5: Correct. I'm just saying that these people, if an illegal is here, and that's what they are, illegal, they can find a job where there will, there's not a problem to find a job. Not in, not in this market right well, now. I,
0: I, the, we do have, though, of course, this process of amnesty, where if you, or, or rather, asylum. If you claim asylum and say, hey, I should be here for this reason or that reason, and your asylum claim is eventually adjudicated and you're told, yes, you can stay, is that a different story? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, And, and of course, that could take some time. So in the interim, they're here, they're working, and then eventually they might get asylum uh, approved.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fact of the matter is, our, our system is broken because yeah. these asylums take so long. But yeah. if our asylums were it, what they should be within six months of them entry, then things would work right. But Fair. the Democrats have purposely created the system. They think they're going to make these all voters, which they probably will in yeah. these Democratic areas. And, you know, I just think what it does is it devalues American citizens. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing. Okay. American citizens. Fair.
0: Jim, I got to run. I'm out of time. I appreciate the call. Great call. Thanks for the exchange. And you got a great name, by the way. Three zero three six nine. Actually, we're going to be out of time. We'll try and squeeze Lewis and Aurora in on the other side. Jimmy Schengenberger in for George Brockler. News Talk, 710 KNUS. Well, it was a massive word salad. I still don't understand what she was trying to say with that. Why she would have gone down that road, I don't know. Look, we're Republicans. The Republican Party was founded to oppose slavery and its expansion. And the reason slavery got abolished in the United States was because of the Republican Party. That is quite a story. Nikki Haley stepping in it. I, I does, it's disappointing. I like Haley a lot. I think she'd be a great nominee for the Republican Party. I think the same of Ron DeSantis. And yet she stepped in this story with the Civil War answer. Just not a good move. Good to be with you. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. Really quick, I got like 45 seconds. I want to squeeze in Lewis and Aurora, who has been patiently waiting. Good morning, Lewis. Happy New Year.
7: Hey, blessed New Year, brother. Listen, I got a lot to say about illegals, but I'm going to save that for another time. But I want to talk about the copper bagger. Lauren, I like her, but she should not be going to the uh, District 4. She should copper back down here with, and run against Jason Crow. I want Deborah Flora. Flora should have been our next senator. She would have beaten uh, Michael Bennett, and she should have been our next senator. Let her be the next Congress person from District 4. Lauren, I mean, she ran away from District 3. She needs to come down and run against Jason Crow in my district, okay? Mm-hmm. I want and every anybody I know in District 4, I'm going to tell them, support Deborah.
0: Okay. All right. There we go. Lewis, Happy New Year, brother. Thanks for calling in throughout the year. We appreciate it. All right, brother. All right. That is it for me today. Happy New Year to you. Tomorrow morning, be sure to tune in 6 to 9 for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Special in-studio guest, Biff Gore, for a tremendous jam session and conversation. He was on Season 6 of The Voice. Got very far in that. He's a phenomenal guy as well, and... You just got to tune in. I'm on the harmonica. He's on guitar and vocals. We heard a little bit of a tidbit, just a slight sample from earlier. I also encourage you, and I'm going to talk about this as well tomorrow morning, to check out my column at the Denver Gazette. Ten years later, I'm grateful I didn't jump. Talking about a very, well, overcoming mental illness on my part. Ten years ago this Sunday... I didn't take my own life. I'll talk about that story tomorrow on my show. Encourage you to read the column. Optimism for the new year. There's another side. You can do it. We can all do it. God bless America. God bless you. And happy new year.